This is the Starseed Awakening Podcast. I'm your host, Monet Florence Combs. I'm a quantum healer and hypnosis teacher who helps people all over the world discover the galaxy within themselves. Join me on an intergalactic journey as we explore what it means to be human in a world where we are just beginning to understand that we are not alone. Hello, my star children. I hope you're having a lovely week out there. I have been crazy busy, lots going on, and uh, I have a sick little one at home again. So this week, I thought I would give myself a little bit of respite since I have been putting out an episode of this podcast every week um, for I don't know how many months now and I haven't missed a week uh, which I love doing it's my favorite thing in the world I love having this podcast and it's been so much fun Um, but this week I'm going to give myself a little bit of a break and I'm actually going to play an encore episode Uh, so I was looking through the episodes that I've put out to see if there are any that don't have a lot of listens but are really valuable. And I found one of my favorite episodes, which is ET Contact Part 2. So in ET Contact Part 1, I play the session where I discover uh, the link with my parallel self. And she comes through and we talk to her. And so in part two, you know, part one has a lot of listens, but part two doesn't have that many. Uh, And part two is where I explain all of the mechanics of contact, how contact works, internal contact, external contact. uh, And I kind of nerd out on that. It's probably my favorite subject. So I thought that this week I would play that for you. So if you haven't heard it before, this will be new for you. And if you have, then... Uh, you'll get to hear it again, or you can stop playing this podcast for today. Totally up to you. But yeah, I thought that would be something, uh, a nice little, nice little change just for this week. Um, oh, quantum hypnosis certification just started uh, yesterday, which was amazing. I was so happy to see so many people on the live call. Uh, I have 11 beautiful members in this group. That was what I decided to cap it at was 11. And uh, we're just starting to get into it. And it's it's been really fun to meet everybody in person who I haven't worked with yet and see some familiar faces as well. So uh, if you are thinking of joining that next round when I run it in the spring, uh, if you go to my website, starseedawakener.com, you can actually go and get on the wait list for that. And I'll link that in the show notes as well uh, so that you can get the information when it comes out about the dates and all of that. So that's been very cool. And I am going to leave it at that for now. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, who is ready for contact part two? I know I am. This is one of my favorite subjects, apparently. So in the last episode, part one, I shared my session from when 
I found out I had been contacted my whole life and I didn't even know it. So interesting. So this time I'm going to unpack how contact actually happens. Some of the myths, some of the misconceptions. So I think probably a good place to start out would be talking about contact in the news. So I don't know if you saw this, but about two or three weeks ago, there was a news article that came out about how scientists are sending out a signal into space to try to contact aliens for the first time in a long time. And what I find so interesting is how there is an overwhelming amount of data you know, experiential data that the way to contact ETs is not from some sort of laser beam or some signal, but to do it from within because we all have access and the ability to do that. But for whatever reason, that hasn't caught on in the scientific community. And so instead, you know, we're spending all this money trying to send out signals to who knows where. And I just, I find that so interesting because what, what we know is that we can make contact through the quantum realm. We can do anything we want through the quantum realm. We can contact a past self from another planet. We can contact a future self. We can contact a parallel self. It's all within us, and we all have these um, future and past expressions of ourselves, of our soul. And especially if, if you already identify as a starseed because that resonates with you, it's, it's not hard to do. You know, you can use any type of regressive hypnosis to do so, which is what quantum hypnosis really is a part of. And so I'm going to get into the science of that because believe it or not, there is science around it. Uh, and first I want to like unpack just a little bit about the session that you heard last week. So if you listen to the last episode before this about the earth shift, uh, I read a little bit from the law of one by the social memory complex raw. Uh, and I, I wanted to read a little passage here that might help explain uh, what I experienced, what you heard in my session. So we know that there are positive entities, ETs, that are helping protect our planet right now. Here's what Ra says about it. There are many thought form entities in your skies which are of a positive nature and are the projections of the Confederation. So from what Ra is saying, if this is true, then the entity that I connected with, she is some sort of parallel uh, fractal of my own soul who could be a projection from the Galactic Federation, which we already... Oh, I should just do a whole episode on the Galactic Federation. That would, that would be interesting. Let me know if you want me to do that. Uh, but... You know, what I know 
so from my own past life session is that I've had lifetimes in the Federation, so that would make plausible sense. And the purpose of these positive beings who are protecting our planet, they are uh, helping keep what Ra calls quarantine in place. Quarantine meaning that outside negative entities and positive uh, are not permitted to interfere in our planet's business. So this quarantine is like a, an invisible shield, essentially. And here's what Ra says about it. There is contact at the level of light form or light body being, depending upon the vibratory, vibratory level of the guardian. These guardians sweep reaches of your Earth's energy fields to be aware of any entities approaching. An entity which is approaching is hailed in the name of the one creator. Any entity thus hailed is bathed in love and light and will of free will obey the quarantine due to the power of the law of one. And Ra goes on to say that only beings who are able to penetrate the quarantine are those who discover windows or distortions in the space-time continua surrounding your planet's energy fields. Through these windows they come, these windows are rare and unpredictable. And so what Ra's referring to is uh, Ra talks about the Orion group a lot, which is a group of negative uh, oriented entities that are the ones that you've probably heard about, you know, as far as abductions and these negative contact experiences. These are the ones that I was apparently terrified of uh, when I was young when I you know saw alien movies and thought oh my god <laughs> all aliens are bad so um yeah those are those are the zeta reticuli who are associated with the Orion group I could do a whole episode on them I probably will <laughs> but we'll leave it there for now so I don't know about you but it feels good to me to know that there are others watching over us here on our planet so now let's get into the scientific information about what both inner and outer contact actually looks like. And I'm going to be referring to um, this book. It is by Lisa Royal Holt. Uh, she's one of my favorite authors. I have talked about her a lot before, but she has this really, really, really interesting book called Preparing for Contact. And in it, she channels Sasha, a Pleiadian, and Sasha's role in the Pleiades is to contact other civilizations and help them assist with their own galactic awakenings and become members of the galactic greater community, which is where we are currently on the cusp of in our own society. So the first thing to know is how our brains perceive contact. So we have these different brainwave states. This is actually how quantum hypnosis works. Quantum hypnosis is accessed through the theta brainwave state. However, most of us, when we are walking around day to day, using our conscious mind, you know, we're engaged in activity, we're speaking with people, we're working, you know, all these kind of conscious mind activities, we are using our beta brainwave state. This is the default state that our brain experiences. 
Now, the next state is called alpha. Alpha is a little bit deeper of a state. This is the state that we are in when we're daydreaming or when we are in, you know, light meditation. You can even slip into an alpha state when you are watching TV. The next state is theta, as I mentioned. So theta is where you have access to altered states of consciousness, where you have uh, access to the quantum realm. We naturally go into theta right before we fall asleep. We can go into theta when we are in deep, deep meditation or trance, right? Through hypnosis, you can do that quite easily, but not any old hypnosis. Uh, most clinical or therapeutic types of hypnosis actually work with an alpha state, whereas quantum hypnosis, which is a you know regressive hypnosis, works with this theta state. And theta is like a bridge between alpha and delta. So delta is the state that you're in when you're in deep sleep. And you can think of these different states as forming different types of boundaries within your consciousness, with different levels of consciousness. And so even though beta is our default state, it only represents a very small fraction of your brain's total capacity to generate and perceive other realities. So there's not that much we can really do with beta. Sure, we can think logically and solve problems, but as far as having access to uh, what lies beyond our conscious reality, theta is where it's at. And so with these more evolved beings than us, like the Pleiadians, they're not able to make contact with us in beta brainwave state because they're not able to hold the energy necessary to communicate on that rigid beta frequency. So that is why most of the communication that happens is in alpha, theta, and delta. Most of the contact experiences happen in theta because it's it's like a common ground that both of us can reach. We, it's like as humans, we're able to reach upward, right? If you think of, uh, if you think of this all on a map, right, a quantum map, if we're in third density here in this beta reality, you can think of beta kind of as our anchor that's being held by our ego. And we are able to reach our consciousness upward into theta. And these higher beings are able to reach downward and meet us at that common ground, which is theta. But they're not able to go all the way down to beta. So when you work towards consciously accessing this theta state, you begin to dissolve the walls in between your consciousness levels and the boundaries between them begin to disintegrate. And when a planet is getting ready for this type of extraterrestrial contact and contact with new levels of reality, the brains of the species on the planet begin evolving rapidly and it becomes easier to start dissolving these walls. 
And this is what's happening right now on earth. Because when we reach the fourth density of consciousness as a planet, we will be joining the galactic community. And so they've been trying to contact us to help us prepare for this moment. But our planet has been kind of a challenge. They're aware that if they show up with a big fleet in the sky, we're all going to freak out and we're not ready for that, right? I would say the overwhelming majority of us here only see ET contact as negative because of our history of abductions and such from this Orion group. So let's talk a little bit more about the brain and how the brain processes ET energy. So you can think of the brain as your internal computer. It receives input and the brain translates it into thoughts, images, so that we can understand what it's seeing and interpret it. So what happens when the brain sees and interprets something that it's never encountered before? What then? So if you have listened to any of these uh, hypnosis sessions and you've heard me talk about and others, you know, on the podcast talk about how the, the images they're seeing as they are having these sessions and these impressions are floating into their mind, how sometimes they look kind of cartoony. <laughs> and the reason that happens is because if your conscious brain right, has never seen the planet you're from in this lifetime, right? It, it doesn't know how to process it. So instead it comes through in how you have already processed things. So for example, um, I'm going to be playing a session from Sirius C, which is uh, an underwater world that's the um planet that star system is and so the way it came through to my client was that it looked kind of like little mermaid right because she had seen the little mermaid and that was all her brain knew how to convey the experience to her so even though the subconscious mind has seen these things right because our memories from other lifetimes are stored within the subconscious. The conscious mind has never seen it. So the conscious mind has to interpret it any way it can. And so this is actually a real phenomenon. And if you look to history, there's a really interesting example of this happening. And it is about the, uh, I guess he was probably a colonizer, <laughs> uh, Magellan and the ships so when magellan this explorer way back in the day uh he was he landed on a remote island and the indigenous people on the island when he arrived they had never seen a big ship before right they've never seen anybody 
except for their own community. And so when they're this big ship pulled up and docked, they couldn't see it. But they could see the people who were going from the ship to the land in rowboats because the rowboats were similar to their canoes. And so Magellan noticed that they they could not see the ship at all. It was because their, their brain had never seen anything like it. Ever. I mean, imagine you've never seen a giant masted ship before. You've lived your whole life um, isolated. And then all of a sudden this giant thing appears. The conscious mind doesn't know how to see it because it's never seen it before. And so Magellan and his crew talked to the, you know, um, the shamans in the community and the shamans were eventually able to describe what it looked like to the people because the shamans could eventually see it because they were used to working with expanded states of consciousness. And so eventually first the shaman saw it and then the other people in the population were able to see the ships. So interesting, right? And so you can apply this to us here as humans. If we have never seen an e- a real ET before, we've never seen a real craft in the sky. We've only seen it on cartoons, <laughs> whatever, or movies, right? we don't necessarily know how to interpret it. So chances are we won't be able to see it unless you are working and have been working with expanded states of consciousness. If you'll remember my this past session that I played where the, uh, you know, it's like I, I was in the clouds and that's what I could see. And then I had the sense that there is a, a craft, but the, the image that came to my mind was a helicopter because I've never seen a Galactic Federation craft before in real life, right? Even though I had access to see it because I've never seen it before, it came through in symbolism as a helicopter. And that's super, super common, you know, when you're doing this hypnosis work. Some people see things much more clearly Sometimes they come in more as uh, impressions or symbols. And so what would happen if you met an ET face to face? Would you be able to see them? So according to Sasha in Preparing for Contact, Sasha, the Pleiadian, she says that what would happen is you, your conscious brain, right, your beta waking brain would not be able to interpret it in a typical way. So say an ET knocked at your door and you answered it. Your brain would sense the energy that it is not someone of your species, right? And your brain would process that, okay, this, this, being even though they're humanoid they don't they're not quite human right the brain would be able to tell that and so then your brain would actually go into 
a theta state. You would get really sleepy and then you would be able to have the conversation with this ET. And then what would happen is once they left, it, they could deliver their message or whatnot. And then your brain would shift back into beta. And what would happen is you would quite quickly forget the memory. And it would be like a gap in time. That's why many people who've been contacted before experience gaps in time, right? They, they um, if they're driving through the desert, they're contacted and then, you know, they pull over, a craft is there, whatever. You know, they talk to an ET and then afterwards the memory's gone and, and they're, they don't know what. <laughs> Uh, what happened to that hour, for example. And that's because naturally in a theta state, uh, there's an amne amnesia effect. It shows up, this is always interesting to me. Um, well, number one, this shows up in quantum hypnosis, right? If you, that's why I always recommend people, my clients listen to the tapes, uh, the recording within 24 to 48 hours because the memory will will begin to fade quite uh, drastically after that point. That's why I always record them because of it occurred in this theta state. It also happens, interestingly, it happens in childbirth. Uh, you know, you probably know I I was a doula for many years, and as a doula. I worked with these altered brainwave states as well, because when you are giving birth, what happens biologically is once your once the baby reaches a certain station in the pelvis, right, gets certain the head is uh, low enough, then it triggers this re release of hormones within your body, and that shifts your brain into a theta brainwave state. And this is actually a natural aid for having your baby because it makes uh, pain more tolerable and <laughs> it creates this amnesia effect. Uh, it also creates like, it's that weird gap in time thing where it feels like time is suspended and you know, you don't know if you've been in labor for hours or for five minutes. It's very weird. It doesn't happen to everyone. It doesn't, you know, depending on the conditions for the birth, they have to be correct. Um, and it, it doesn't happen with every baby. Like I experienced it first time around with my, my daughter. It was crazy. I was like, when you're in this theta brainwave state during birth, it's like you're high as a freaking kite and it is just it's wild it's so wild uh <laughs> but then with my second um it didn't happen because he was high in my pelvis the whole time so it, it didn't happen um until he plopped out uh, that's a whole that's a whole other story but what happens after childbirth when you have uh, experienced this theta state is that you experience birth amnesia uh, where you kind of forget you forget that it was difficult and you forget the the hard parts and the intensity of it 
And then, <laughs> you know, I know for me, it was like six months later, I was like, all right, let's, let's have another one. <laughs> uh, because it, my, my memory was altered. Whereas the second time around, uh, sorry, this is a tangent, but I find it interesting how the brain works. Uh, the second time around, I had my baby. I did not have the state experience. And I was like, nope, okay, I think we're done here because I didn't have birth amnesia. So that's why you forget these experiences in Theta. So now what about these repressed memories? We know that if the brain is this central processing unit in your body, uh, what about these the memories of contact maybe that you don't remember? Well, what happens is they get filed away into the subconscious, right? This is why we can access memories from past lives, for example, or, and also why, you know, if you experience trauma, especially when you were a child, for example, your they the memories are still there. They're still in your brain. They just get filed away for processing later because it was too much to process at the time, just like an ET encounter, right? It's too much to process. Brain goes, okay, we're going to store that one away for a while until we're ready to see it. So that's why quantum hypnosis is particularly helpful for recovering lost memories. Um, I know that I have done, used it, for example, in, um, there's a case where I had a client who had abuse from a, from childhood and she had been wondering, you know, is, is this real? Like, did I imagine this? Did I, actually experienced this you know she didn't have any real memories but she had the sense that it had happened and through hypnosis we were able to bring up those memories and so how do you know that it's even good to dive in and bring up memories of of contact or abuse or anything like that anything at all really that has been filed away for later and it's, it's when they start bleeding out into your current life. And then it's time to go in. It's, it's your brain's way of saying, hey, we can, it's safe to deal with this now. We can handle this now. Kind of like how, you know, I had these really, really intense, uh, this really intense past life trauma that had been stored in my brain. And it, you know, it wasn't, ready. It wasn't time for it to come up yet until I had the capacity to be able to, to process it and handle it and the support that I, that would allow me to do that. And then once I did, you know, I it was hundred uh, percent, the right choice. So something that Sasha says is that contact is already happening all around you. You have been attempted to be contacted at some point, whether you saw a ship and you didn't remember it or you couldn't see it, whether it was in a dream state, whether it has been telepathic. And usually it's going to be a, the easiest beings to connect with are future and past fractals of yourself. So let's define some terms here. We have the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, 
and the unconscious mind. And so when we begin breaking down the walls between these, we free up space in our mind for contact experiences. So the conscious mind is where our belief systems are stored, kind of like data blocks of information. So what's in this data? It is all of your perceptions of reality and your belief systems. So it could be things that you believe in, things that you believe about yourself to be true, things that you believe about others to be true. And this is how your perception of reality is filtered. Now the subconscious mind is kind of like the place where memories and input, sensory input goes to await processing. So it could be taste, smells, sounds, vibrations, information. And it waits, you know, when you're overstimulated, for example, all of this information kind of goes into the subconscious mind where your subconscious decides to filter information as important or not important. And the unimportant stuff or the stuff that is overwhelming goes into the subconscious as and sometimes this input piles up. Now your unconscious mind is where all of the information that your subconscious does not want to deal with, whether it be trauma, something frightening, a frightening memory, those get put at the deepest level of the unconscious. And the bottom of the unconscious mind is the gateway to the higher self. And so we're all walking around as fragmented people because our the way that we store our memories is essentially stored in three different places. And so ETs have a hard time contacting us and uh, communicating with us because of that. So say an ET flies their craft by a group of people. A few of the people might be able to see the craft, but the majority of them, the information would come in, it would go to the subconscious where it gets filtered somewhere. And then the subconscious decides where that information goes. Does it go back into the conscious mind so that you can actually interpret the information and integrate it, or does it get filed away? Most of the time it gets filed away. So what do you do if you are ready to start welcoming positive ET contact into your life? You start breaking down the barriers between these three segments of your mind. And you do that by practicing consciously going in and out of these brainwave states. Now there are different apps that can help you with that. Uh, I use one, it's called Beatfulness, and you can get that on the App Store. And it you can use brain brainwave entrainment. Uh, that's what it is. So through these binaural beats, you're able to um, adjust, it's able to help influence your brainwave states. Um, I, I use that during my quantum hypnosis sessions to help people slip into theta easier. Um, I used it as a doula because I was a, a hypnobirthing. Uh, most of my clients did hypnobirthing, and so we used that there as well. And it works really well. 
So you can use it while you're meditating um, to help consciously get you into um, a, a theta state. The, the easier you're able to consciously do this, the less fragmented you become the easier it is for you to reach that common ground where ETs can reach you as well. Now, the other thing that you can do to help start freeing some of the memories that you've already had of contact is to start breaking up these belief systems, these uh, what Sasha calls data blocks inside your conscious mind. Uh, Because as you do that, it frees up space for your subconscious to filter in some of the memories that you may have had. That allows the pathways between the conscious and the subconscious mind to become more clear and you become more flexible. Here's what she says about it. Become aware of the rigid views of reality that you hold. You may not even be conscious of these views. Begin to know who you are. Then, Begin to consciously change those perceptions of reality you have outgrown. Begin replacing them with new and more expansive points of view. Next, go within as deeply as you can. Find your own demons. Find your fears. Find the part of you that hates yourself. Find that part of you that is not you, but merely a reflection of your programming from this life and other lives. Do not abolish these things. Befriend them. That is what people find very difficult. Ah, that's so good. (laughs) That's that's what coaching is. (laughs) Like that is why I love coaching um, as a modality because that's exactly what we do. Um, The modality of thought work, which is my primary coaching modality, that's exactly what it's about. It's about identifying your belief systems and your thoughts about yourself that have been well-worn in your brain and that most of them you haven't even consciously formed. You just assumed they were true, right? Maybe like, um, I'm not good at uh, relationships. <laughs> I don't know. Or, um, I'm unattractive or I'm an inconsistent person. I can't trust myself, right? Any of these things, none of them are facts. They're just belief systems. And once you can start breaking them down, you can open yourself up to so much more that's out there. You can start becoming a conscious creator of your life instead of just allowing yourself to be tossed around by the universe. So that's why I'm so passionate about marrying the conscious mind with the subconscious. Because when you can work both angles and with, you know, both uh, the conscious and the subconscious operate so differently. If you're working with somebody who knows intimately how each one functions, then you can you can do anything you can achieve your goals you can learn how to be happy in this life you can completely break down everything you thought was true about yourself all of your negative beliefs and build them up again from scratch and that is the power of our 
beautiful compartmentalized minds. They can be integrated and you can do anything you want as long as you're willing to do this inner work. Okay, I could babble on and on and on and on about contact. Let me know if you would like me to do a part three at some point. Um, I just, I find it fascinating. I hope you found it interesting too. And if you are ready to start doing your own work with these wonderful modalities of subconscious and conscious work, I am here. My practice is open. Let's do it. All right, there you have it. That was ET Contact Part 2, the Encore. Thank you in advance for all of your support. I have the best listeners. You guys are awesome. I love it when I hear from you guys um, on email or through Instagram. It really fills up my cup. Uh, So this should give me a little bit of a chance to play some catch up here. And uh, even though I talked about how busy I was, I am definitely still open for one-on-one work. And if you, uh, you know, want to do a reading with me or hypnosis or, you know, longer term uh, inner work, I do have uh, availability. I see my private clients on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Central. In case you were wondering what my availability looks like, uh, since I get questions about that sometimes. And typical start times for new clients are about two weeks out. So I'm, you know, I get kind of booked up uh, in short notice, but, you know, if, if there's a time you like, you can always book ahead and dial that in. So that's about all I got for you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Starseed Awakening podcast. If you are ready to become a quantum healer and learn this powerful spiritual technology to take it out into the world and help others, visit my website, thestarseedawakener.com slash QHC to sign up for the next round. See you soon.